What do Ryan Kaji, Dude Perfect, and PewDiePie, no, PewDiePie, PewDiePie, what do they all have in common? Now, some of you might be scratching your head like me. Uh, I wouldn't have known unless I researched them this week, but they're all famous YouTubers who make over a million dollars on that platform. If you haven't noticed them, I want to introduce you to Ryan Kaji. Uh, here he is. He leads a program called Ryan's World. Uh, you can log in and find great science experiments. I was watching one where they saw how much bacteria was on the sister's shoe, on mom's teeth, and on a soccer ball. And Ryan Kaji, for all he produces, makes $26 million. That's what Forbes reported. What does he do with that money? <laughs> hope it's in a trust. Anyway, um, let me introduce you to Dude Perfect. They were inspired by Peter Pan, and, and they found a way to never grow up. And so they're 30-year-olds who spend all of their time making videos to do trick shots and to win Guinness Book of World Record titles. Uh, they are one who hold records for snapping the most pencils in a minute or making the most one-handed football catches in a minute. And for all of this, they make $20 million. And finally, there is the Swede PewDiePie, right? Did I get it right now? PewDiePie, uh, who is just an internet comedian uh, making funny videos using various graphics, probably making use of cats, I don't know, um, in, in order to entertain everyone who's subscribed to him, and he's made 13 million. Now, wh when I researched this, uh, my, my quickest Google search was, how do you make a successful YouTube video? Because <laughs> if you can monetize this, you really uh, have a way today. What it also reminds me of is, when I meet with young people today, when I was growing up, many people want to be professional athletes. What they want to be today, Ryan Kaji, famous YouTubers. If you can monetize this, you can have, again, fame. Well, YouTube is not the only platform that you could use. Uh, if you're a younger person, you might use Instagram. And uh, you, you might know that uh, Dwayne Johnson is on Instagram. Uh, do, do you want to guess how much Dwayne The Rock Johnson gets for every post he has? $650,000 for every picture. A soccer player, Christi Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, $750,000. And there's one person who gets a million dollars every time she posts. It is Kylie Jenner. We live in a world where people are after fame. Welcome to 2020. Uh, a generation ago, you know, you had to be good at something. Today, if you have a silly cat, you can be famous. And maybe this doesn't relate to you that much, you know, you're, you're not trying to get on YouTube or Instagram, um, but, but for us oldies, you probably have heard of Facebook. And maybe, you know, uh, when it comes to Facebook, you do know what it is to rise and fall with the likes or lack thereof. You post something and you see, you know, did it get any traction? You check later in the day. And no day is as great as your birthday on Facebook, we all know that, all right? And we're learning a little bit of how Facebook is changing our society. I was at a conference this past week, and they were talking about how to reach the next generation. And this next generation is supremely lonely. They, they called it the loneliness epidemic, where many people today um, can have 300 Facebook friends, but not one confidant when something is going wrong. Not one person that they can turn to and actually share their life. What we're also finding is that Facebook is a fake version of reality. Would you agree? It's a fake version. We all pick our best. A great example of this is this picture. 
Here is the Facebook version, right? And here is the reality. And so many people, they only use this platform to share what they want to share. You're getting their highlight reel, but the reality, if you met them, if you walked with them, was much, much different. And so because of these platforms and because of the ease of fame and to publish your voice or your picture out there, here's what's really interesting. That, and here's the first takeaway, you can be famous without ever really being known. You can be a household name and people get a glimpse into your living room maybe or your thoughts for a little bit and they just get a bite size. You can be famous that way without ever really being known. Now, you've come to us uh, at Amazing Love, and we're, we're going to get the lens of God here. Um, we're in this series called Chasing Carrots, and, and we know that, that fame is just this carrot that seems to offer a lot, but, but really doesn't. Many people who chase this carrot, psychologists would say, they've had a period of abandonment or rejection in their past. And so to make up for that, they, they want to be known. They, they want to have a big name. Now, what I also want to do is, is see the superiority of God and his word. Uh, maybe you're watching online and you found us somehow. Maybe you're new to Christ or you don't even consider yourself a Christian, but you're here today. We wanted to welcome you, by the way. We want to welcome you if you have questions about God, if you're kicking the tires of the church, and especially if you don't have it all together because no one here does. But what I love about God is this craving to be known is satisfied in what he said. Let me share with you a, a word that he shared with a prophet named Jeremiah. This word says, before I formed you in the womb, who, who planned your life? Who picked your birthday? God said, I did. Before you met mom or dad, before you could take a personality test, before you were Facebook famous, God says, I knew you. And that's still the reality today. Whether you've thought it about or not, there, there is someone who knows all of your details, knows whatever you came in walking in here today with, whether it be joy or burden, knows exactly how you feel right now, knows you to the most intricate level, even the hairs on the head, he says. And that one who knows us so well also loves us so deeply. Here's the gospel, the good news, that God knew you and sent his son Jesus so that you could be known forever. Jesus who gave his life so that we could be in his family forever. Jesus who atoned for all of our sins so that I could tell you you're fully known by God and as Torin Wells says, you're also fully loved by God. And in a world where it's hard for other people to say that, because it's easy to love people you don't know well, right? I can love a stranger pretty well, especially if they smile, but I don't really know them. So, so sometimes I can fully love someone I don't really know, but, but then when I fully know someone, it's really hard to love everything about them. Ever experienced that? When, when you see they're as broken as you are, now when I fully know, it's really hard to fully love at times. But the superiority of God speaking into your life and saying, you know what? With me, I fully know you and fully love you all at the same time. Now, if that doesn't scratch the itch of wanting to be known, I don't know what does. So welcome once again. 
And I, I guess I could say amen, we've preached this sermon, but I'm not going to. I'm not going, don't worry, don't worry, there's more to come. Uh, what we're going to learn today uh, about today is how to hap, hop off the hamster wheel of fame. And uh, what we do is we learn from uh, a bad example today. Uh, we're going to see how God worked in the life of a guy named Gideon. And God granted him um, some success. But then Gideon didn't handle it very well. Now, where we meet Gideon is when God's people, the Israelites, were oppressed by the Midianites. They had taken over their land, and they had uh, taken over their crops and their houses. And so it says in, in Judges, the book of Judges, and this is about 1,000 B.C., that in order to cope with this, they were living in caves. Now, this reminds me of where my dad is. He's visiting uh, the Holy Land and Petra. Um, Indiana Jones, anyone? That, that's probably the only reference point. Um, but, but this is where they're, they're living right now um, because they've been oppressed so bad. They've had to escape their homes, and so they're living in caves and in mountain clefts trying to escape. And, and what God does is he's going to raise up Gideon to lead 300 people to defeat 135,000. Which, if you're a history buff, if you like wars, if you like battles, if you saw 1917, there is no greater battle than 300 defeating 135,000, and yet God uses Gideon to do this. Where we're going to meet Gideon, though, is after the battle, when he's in the midst of success, and see how he handles this success, see how he handles the fame. So the word of God is from Judges, and, and something we believe is that God had his handiwork in the Bible, that we can trust in it. And one of the things we do to honor that word is just standing and hearing it. So could you please stand as we just hear the, the word of God speaking to us today? So here it is in Judges. It says, the Israelites said to Gideon after this battle they won, rule over us, you, your son, your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But God told them, I will not, Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor my son will rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Now, at this point in time, they had a theocracy. God was actually the government, uh, which is pretty cool. And Gideon says, we're going to keep it that way. But here's where he goes astray. But he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from the share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring of the plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that, their camels, that were on their camels' necks. Now, as I was translating this week, I paused because camels were the mode of transportation, and so with the gold chains, they were like decking it out, right? Like chrome rims, right? So bling has always been a thing, just so you know. Always been a thing. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which is a, a priestly garment um, that was used to be a mediator between the, the people and God, which he placed in Orphrah, his hometown. And all of Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, worshiping it, not God, there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Gideon starts so well, saying, the Lord's going to rule. And then he takes just a little for himself, doesn't he? And that little bit is enough to lead him and many others astray as he steals the glory. Before you sit down, can you turn to your neighbor and just tell them, to God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. Please be seated. Please be seated. Excited for the baptism today. Camila, 
It's awesome. It's awesome. And, and one thing that's fun with um, kids is to read them stories. And uh, I don't know if any of you know the, the Grimm brothers, the Grimm brother fairy tales. Now, I don't know if, like, you know, life has changed and we've just become softer, but the Grimm brothers live up to their name. They're grim. I remember going to a children's production of the Grimm Brother fairy tales and, and, and being, like, curious, like, of the storylines. Like, consider Hansel and Gretel. In Hansel and Gretel, we have two kids where the stepmom doesn't have enough food and says, I know the solution. We'll just leave the kids out in the forest and hope they never come back. That's grim, right? And not only that, but then Hansel and Gretel meet a witch that wants to eat them, right? Um, the, these are our dark scenarios. But, but why I was thinking uh, particular of Hansel and Gretel was one of the, the notes that did stick with me, at least, when I remember these stories, is what Hansel did to find his way home. See, the first time he was led out to the forest with his sister Gretel, what he did is he picked up white stones. And it meant that as he dropped one along each way, wherever they went in the forest, he, he would never forget where he came from, and, and he'd always have a way to trace back those steps. Now, he did it again with bread, and that didn't work so well because of the birds, but, but he had a, a great idea to, again, make this, this track, this, this record of, like, how I got to where I am. Now, the reason I bring this up is because today we're talking about fame. And one of the problems with fame is that we don't do what Hansel did. We don't use the pebbles that remind us how we got to where we are. If you're taking notes, here's what happens. The problem with fame is we're tempted to forget how we got there, how success came, and why people know us or are praising us. We forget that journey. And why do I believe this? I believe this because of Gideon. So let me tell you a little bit more about his story. When we find Gideon, he does not think he is a big deal. When God shows up to Gideon and says, you're going to lead 300 people versus 135,000, I want you to look at what Gideon says about himself. Uh, th this is what he said when, when, when taking this task. Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. So out of Manasseh, our clan's the least, and out of that clan, I'm the least. Like, I'm... I'm nothing. Why are you using me? In fact, he has to be coerced into battle. He, he tests God through the, the fleeces, if you've read this account, and make it dry or make it wet, and then I'll know, and then I'll go. And then he finally goes. And God whittles down the Israelite army uh, to, again, just 300 that he wants to use. And all they have is these jars uh, that they'll smash and trumpets that they'll blow and torches and when the battle ensues, look what happens. When the 300 trumpets sounded, read this with me, the yellow. The Lord caused. Gideon caused? The 300 who were built like Dwayne the Rock Johnson caused. The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So the greatest battle that has ever been it cannot acclaim any one person, cannot acclaim Gideon. You, you can only know there is a God who reigns above all, who lowers and raises because he's in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. And Gideon forgot. And Gideon says, the Lord will rule you, but I want some of the plunder. 
And Gideon made something for his name, the ephod, out of gold. And, and again, something priestly. And it reminds me of the error of both relics and icons. I, I don't know if you grew up in a, a church that had either relics, which were the things of the apostles, maybe bones of the apostles or earrings of the apostles, or icons, which were pictures of the apostles. And, and the error in church history of those things is people end up worshiping the relics and the icons rather than God. Worshiping a picture part of a bone, rather than the God over all for whom they represented. And that's what's going on here as well. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, what's interesting is that the Lord raises some up of us up and maybe keeps some of us in obscurity, but it doesn't change what the point is. The point for, for his activity is so that we would give him all the glory. The point of the activity is that we would remember the Lord and how we got there, that we would set these breadcrumbs remembering he made me. And so again, whether you won a basketball game this week, whether you got a promotion, bought a new car or a house, whether things went really well for you, remember the Lord. It's what he told his people in the Old Testament. When, when they conquered the land of Cana, and, and again through many battles, uh, this is the word that he shared with them. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, if you grew up in catechism, as some have as Lutherans, uh, you, you might have learned the first article. We're going to confess that later today. Uh, the first article is all about God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. And the explanation that I, I was taught to memorize, and maybe some here too, goes like this. It says, I believe that God created me and all that exists, and he gave me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my mind, and all my abilities. All these things are from the Lord. And so I will remember how I got there. You know, someone who's remembering this uh, pretty well is who I think will be the MVP of the NFL, which is Lamar Jackson. That's, that's my vote. Lamar Jackson, who uh, from the Baltimore Ravens um, uh, had a really phenomenal year. You should watch some of the runs that he had. And, um, and he was asked this year, how do you stay so humble? Uh, here's a picture of Lamar. And he just had this great line. Uh, so when asked, how do you stay so humble, here's what he said. He, he said, the Lord... The Lord, I give him all his praise, glory, and honor. Without him, I could have been doing anything. If you feel like you're bigger than the Lord, that's when success dies. you got to let him know he's the reason. What is he doing? He's setting breadcrumbs, isn't he? After a big game, saying, how did I get here? The Lord, that's it. He's the reason for success. To the degree I steal his glory, he's going to steal success. That's how much I know he deserves all praise. So where does this land for us? Is it possible that we forget the breadcrumbs when we get to that place? You know what you might be tempted most uh, to neglect the Lord in is where you're the most secure. For example, if your kids are doing really well right now and they're well-behaved and they're honor students and they're excelling, you know what the temptation is? I'm a pretty awesome mom. I mean, I would write a book if I had time, but I mean, just look at my kids. 
They're basically me, Val Victorian. The places of security. When financially things are going your way, don't you have that temptation to, to have that little sense of like, you know, if everyone would just cut up their credit cards or, or take a, a page from my playbook, then, oh, then they could do it. Not recognizing it's God who gives money and opportunities and the ability to use the talents he gave. Or health. If you've been in a healthy season and you've seen the flu going around and, and somehow by God's grace you've avoided that horrible influenza B, uh, you might be tempted to think, yeah, it's the kale that people have been saying. But, I mean, if you just listen to what they say about the kale, I'm eating my kale. If they would eat the kale, I'd You know what's common. We want to prop ourselves up, neglecting to look at all of the mercy and all of the grace that God has given in our children, in our finances, in our health. He is the breath in our lungs. He's the reason we're sustained today. And so if we're going to repent of something, we're going to repent of all the times we've made about me rather than him. Repent of all the times we steal his glory without giving him his due praise. Because he's worthy. When it comes to the God that we've come to consider, there is only one name that if you call on it, it can save you. And it's not the name Dustin. There is only one name that every knee that has ever existed in history or in the future, that every knee to this name will bow. This is the name above all names. It literally means he saves, and it is the name Jesus. And if you never met him, you need to know something about him. In Colossians, it tells us about his supremacy. In Colossians, it says all things have been created through him and for him. That if you're here, you didn't choose your birthday, he chose it for you. And that if you're here wondering your purpose, he's given that too. You are to live for him. Because only he saved the world. Only he went to the cross and has atonement for any and every sin. Only he went straight head to head with the devil and beat him. Only he faced death and then rose on the third day bringing life back. Only he has that power. In fact, if you're just joining us, that's what you need to know about the Christian church. The Christian church is basically this gathering of imperfect people who admit that they're failures, who admit, man, I'm a sinner who deserves no glory, but God has saved me. And God has healed me. And God brings hope and peace right now and forever. And the story of our salvation is 100% is on Jesus and zero is me. And that means 100% of the glory goes to him and zero But it's not sinful to be famous. If you have a big name right now, that, that's not a bad thing. You're not less than if, if you do. In fact, some of you are probably here because of my fame. I know some of you know me as Pastor Bloomer, but you probably also know me, and this is why you hear the Price is Right Pastor. <laughs> and I realize that. I'm, I'm a big deal. Um, it's okay. It's okay, guys. See, I was on, you know, and I won with God's number, 777. I have lawn tools and a bedroom set at home. Uh, Drew Carey still calls me and remembers my name. And um, I'm being facetious. 
Uh, but, but I remember my 10 seconds of fame. But you know what? I also remembered and I had a plan for what it was for. Uh, some of you may or may not know this, but the night before, I had an inkling that I might be on, and, and I, I kind of made this deal with God. Like, I said, God, if I'm on, I'm going to use this platform to give you praise. And if I'm got on tomorrow, when, when they do the interview, who do you want to say hi to, this is what I was going to say. I was going to say, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the victory he won for all people on Easter. Now, now that would have been a really good thing to do, wouldn't it? Really good platform to say, I, I, I love the Lord. You know what they did instead? They panned to our choir that I was with who sang a German song that no one understood. Not as great. But I was convinced if I was there, what is that platform for? Uh, if, if you have a name, we use that platform to give God praise. It just means you have a bigger pulpit and a louder microphone. To do the same thing. Give God the glory. To go into that environment, and maybe you go into work, and people whisper about you, and they're not trying to gossip because you're the boss. And to use all of that attention to point people to, to God. In how you treat people and what you're about. And maybe even the confession of your mouth. That maybe some of you go into schools and people whisper as you're on the way to the locker room, because you're popular. Your popularity is floated up right now. And you need to know that platform, too, is to give God glory. Uh, maybe some of you, you go to a house, and you have a great platform. It's called Mom. It's called Dad. What's your goal, Mom and Dad? Point them to Jesus Christ. Use that platform to give him praise. It's what it's for. So I'm, I'm thankful that, that some of you might have that kind of platform. Because greater is your opportunity to give the Lord of Lords praise. But there's a temptation. If that's your reality, if you're famous or if you ever become famous, let's say there's a young kid who's a future YouTube star, that might happen. Let me tell you what the temptation is. And, and here I want to talk about first dates and job interviews. Do you remember first dates? What is the modus operandi of a first date sometimes? It is not to reveal who you actually are. It is to conform to what you think they want. And so here's the first date. I really love country music. Listen to it all the time. Just, I can't get enough, right, of country music. What do you think? Oh, yeah, me too. Shania Twain, you know. Man, I feel like a woman. That's my jam, right? I have no idea. I don't listen to country, by the way. But, but that's a temptation to conform. That's, that's what you want to hear, isn't it? Or on a job interview, this is what the job needs. I mean, if, if someone could excel in this area, man, our company would, would really go to that next level. Do you know, that's what I was born to do. That, that's me all day long. Oh, my goodness. Glad you found me. Right? The temptation is to, to cave to what you know wants to be heard, right? Uh, the temptation uh, and the quest for fame may lead you to conform to what other people want, and I want to give you a great example of people who didn't. In the Old Testament, there's a story of, of three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were famous. They were rulers in, in Babylon. And, and the king had made them really big. But there was a time where the king made this other statue. And, and he said, everyone needs to bow down to it when the music plays. And when everyone else in the world did that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, under threat of the king, did not. 
under threat of the king, said, eh, no. I know everyone else is. I know I might lose my position in the palace. I know I might even lose my life. And everyone else is doing it. But I'm not going to conform. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, let me share with you the words that they said. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. <laughs> they knew that the God who they worshipped was above everyone else. In fact, if you're a Christian, this is what life should be lived like. To hear his voice over every, everyone else's. Paul said, this is how I live. He, he said, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, guess what? I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. In this world, there is one voice that matters. It's the voice that calls you loved and redeemed. And then it's the only voice we should live listening to, ultimately. You know, today we're celebrating the Chinese New Year, and uh, I just want to thank Hannah Knipsel for the decorations and, and the idea, and uh, we have Panda Express coming, and it's going to be awesome. And Anyway, and you think of what's happening in China right now. There's 116 million Christians in China right now. And the communist regime is so threatened because there's only 90 million communists that they're really cracking down. Um, that here is uh, Pastor Wang Yi, and he's been imprisoned uh, because he, they, they said he's disorderly. In our own church body, we had missionaries in China that we've had to call back because during the night, the authorities were knocking on their doors. And they had to give a very detailed and, and firm explanation of why they were there. And, and that's what's going on. And what do you think the Christians should do? Should they conform? Yeah, I'll give up Christianity. I'll, I'll be a communist. I don't want to be disruptive. You're right, you know. That's not what your heart says, is it? No, rather, we know that if you're in Christ, ours is to obey God above all. That yes, we obey the government so long as it doesn't interfere with what God says, but when it interferes with what God says and you're telling me I can't worship, then I got to stand up and stick out. I will not conform, and, that, and that's for one person or a hundred million people. And may God continue to give them strength and perseverance during this time of persecution. What does it mean for us? Are you tempted to conform? Maybe you're in high school and you have some cool kids around you. Are you tempted to conform to work standards or what's politically or socially correct? Where are you tempted? God's calling you to stand out, to be about his will and his way above all things. Don't give in, but rather live for that audience of one. But to close, if you don't believe it's my word that, that fame is just a carrot, then take Jim Carrey's word. Uh, Jim Carrey is known for saying this. I hope everyone could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know it's not the answer. From a guy who, who did it. You know his name. And so to close, I wonder if there's something better than famous. What could we be after? I was reminded of that this week. I was at a leadership conference for our church body that I love and there were 800 people gathered, pastors and teachers at the Sheraton Grand downtown, and all about leadership. And, and what's really interesting is that in our, our church body, no one has a really big name. 
uh, you, you don't know many people's name, and, and, and that's, that's okay. In fact, I, I remember um, hearing from Pastor uh, Jim Tiefel, and he was my professor in seminary. Have you heard of Jim Tiefel? Okay, one. <laughs> um, and and, and my, my kids could listen to him preach. Bella was there. And, and my wife heard him preach for the first time. And, and he's higher 60s. And man, does he know how to handle the word of God. And my wife was so blown away, she went to go encourage him and say, wow, that was, that was just fantastic. But me, I, I just, I liked it, but, but this is just who he is. Th- this was not a surprise to me. This is just what Professor Tiefel does. He is a great dynamic preacher. I knew that because that's what he did 15 years ago. He's still doing it today. And while he may not be famous, you know what? He is faithful. He continues to be that same good guy for Jesus, day in and day out. That same great choir director, and preaching prof, that same person who knows how to handle the word of God day in and day out, and you may never know his name, but I tell you he is doing and has done phenomenal work. So what's better than famous? It's faithful. To show up day in and day out and being about the right things. To know it's worth it because of the God you serve. To be consistent as a Christ follower and as a representative of Christ in your own life. Because whether he raises you or lowers you, it really doesn't affect your mission. If you're in Christ, let me tell you your business. Your business and my business is to make much of Jesus. His business is to make whatever he wants out of us. Let me say it again. Your business and my business is to make much of Jesus. His business is to make whatever he wants out of us. Because you're already known, and you're already fully loved. May that be enough. Amen.